welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Pre-Meditated. It gets better every week, doesn't it? It does. We just, we're really perfecting our singing. I think that we should switch from podcasting to singing. <laughs> I don't know. We'll let yes, you guys no. vote. Yes, no. We can put up a poll. You are in a show choir I'm now. not yet. I have to still try out and stuff. But oh, I'm totally joining. You are totally getting in. Yeah, I have to sing, um, what do you call it? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Yeah, it's like I have to, and I don't think, they, I think they pretty much take anyone. Um, not to say <laughs> that, that, it's but, a community yeah, show. It is. They're, they're like, they want people to feel included, but they, like, I don't know what, I don't know what I sing at. Like, oh, you're baritone, probably an alto. alto. Like, I no, don't know bar- baritone's a dude. Yeah, what are you? I am an alto two to a mezzo soprano. Okay, see, like I don't know what any of that means. So yeah, you're, I just... you're an alto. You're probably an alto one. Okay, can't wait to do the dance moves. What like? Oh my god, that's the only reason you're doing this. I'm so pumped. Don't forget to sing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, but Katie, sing too. I'll yeah, just be like out front dance moves. I'm freaking jazzed. Interpretive so. dance. I know. Like, That's oh, right. you're going to do yeah. the tap Dilly. Dilly. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But enough about that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Enough. My just... brain is just like, it's like three raccoons in yeah. a dumpster. <laughs> Fighting over the same corn dog, like that's that's just all that my brain is. Uh, well, thanks guys for for joining us for another week. I am super excited. And first, I gotta preface this with saying I am breaking one of our rules that we put forth in like episode one. She's a rule breaker. Yeah. <laughs> Once again with the singing, we can't stop. No, we won't stop. But I know we said that we weren't going to do only cases that like were, were really unheard of or things. more obscure, yeah, more ones. obscure ones. But I got to tell you, I have had this case on my mind. This was one of the those like first cases that got me into true crime. Oh, OK. An origin so, story. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's just like one of those that I remember hearing about. I can't even remember why, but like I read several books about this case it's fascinating. So you're killing me. Without further ado, you're tonight me, we're going to talk about Hell's Bells. <gasps> Bell Gunis. Have you heard oh of Bell Oh my Gunis? God, yes. The original oh, Black Widow. She was a, yeah. She was a bad person. She was a bad lady. She was a bad lady. But also. I know. That's why I'm fascinated by her. Because I'm like, <laughs> she's got a lot of traits. And I'm like, huh. Over the years, I've read so many books. I tried to find the ones that I've read that kind of have, because a lot of this comes from the old memory bank. Oh, and yeah. I, I, the old noggin. The old noggin. But <laughs> I for sure read Hell's Princess by Harold Schechter. I read that. In the Garden of Spite by Camilla Bruce. That was, I read that like just recently. That was kind of one that I looked back on for this. Is, it, I, is it pronounced Gunnis or Gunnis? So, Belle is from Norway. Like right. That's her origin story. So I actually oh, asked my yeah. I asked my dad because I was like, Dad, how do you say it? Because he speaks Norwegian, and he said it was Gunas. <gasps> Mark speaks so, Norwegian. Oh yeah, he speaks Norwegian. It's a little rusty because it's been so long. But his mom was like full blooded Norwegian. Yeah, his mom and that makes his so much grandma sense was like now. came over here from your Norway. milkmaid appearance makes yeah. sense. Except <laughs> you tan better than I do, and I don't understand. I know that, honestly, but... and my dad. My dad can tan like no one. My both my parents. My dad gets more red, but like within five minutes of being in the sun, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. But my sister Nikki, she got the like the very fair. Oh, she she's did. very yes. you know, blue eyes, blonde hair, very no, fair yeah, skin. Yeah, Norwegian. Yeah, my little sister and I think got more of my mom's like German 
heritage. Yeah, the olive of, skin. Yeah, more yeah. olive skin, but... Well, yeah, so today we're going to talk about Belgunis, and it might be Gunnis, but I'm going to say Gunnis because that's what my dad told me. All right. And Mark Johnson. My Gunnis. Yeah. My Gunnis. <laughs> my Gunnis, Bell Gunnis. <laughs> All right. So, wow. Bell Gunnis. All right. So, Bell was born uh, as actually not Bell. She was Brynhild, Paul's daughter, Storseth, on November 1st, 1859 in Selbu, Norway. So, being Scandinavian, with my maiden name being Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Like, I knew the, the Johnson, son of John. So at right. some point, that's where my name came oh, from. Oh, right, right. But her last name was Paul's daughter. Paul's, Paul's daughter. daughter. Paul's daughter. P-A-U-L-S-D-A-T-T-E-R. And it's because her oh, dad's right. name was Paul. Oh, right. So Brynhild, Paul's daughter. And I'm like, Paul's ah. daughter. Okay, so like John's son, Paul's daughter. I'm yeah. Like, ah, I love yeah. that. Okay. Hey, so, that's really, that's interesting. Yeah. I, like, I can't believe I didn't like know that, but I, I went on so many different rabbit hole journeys during this. So she was born to Paul Peterson Storseth, and again, her mom's name was Barit Old's daughter. So Old's daughter. Old's yeah. was her dad. So she was the youngest of eight daughters. Eight, eight daughters. Girls. Yeah. And Whoa. right. Yikes. Uh, and so her dad was a stonemason and she grew up on a farm and basically lived the farm lifestyle. She was right. constantly doing heavy labor, manual labor. And yeah, because if you look at a picture of her, she's a stocky oh, lady. That was part of her appeal. So so because she grew up on a farm and she was just a strong woman, she ended up growing to be <laughs> And this is, there are varying accounts. I think the exaggerations say that she was six feet tall. Oh, I've read that. The lower end say like five foot seven, five foot eight, but still tall between five foot eight and six feet and weighing between 230 and 300 pounds. Again, that's like some accounts say 230, some accounts say 300, so but she's a, she was she's a, a stocky woman. She's a, she's hardy stock. And at the time, that sort of look was considered, like, very attractive. Whoa. She could apparently cinch her waist so it was teeny. Oh, God. I know, which is sick. she couldn't breathe. Yeah, she couldn't breathe. But then her boobs looked, like, massive and her hips looked huge. So she just had, like, this hourglass figure. She was big. She was strong. She was well, well I built. already like her. I know. So She's like, an hourglass sister. <laughs> so she, like, she had a lot over the years, and this comes into play later, she had a lot of suitors. Um, she sounds like a, you know, when you think of the typical swarthy barmaid. Or yeah, something. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like rolling up her sleeves and like. Yeah. A- so later in life, she would end she would like when she moved to the her own farm and, and had her own farm, she would she was known for like dressing more manly. She'd wear overalls. She'd sure. Wear, but she would also. Work. Yeah, she'd do, do, do farm work, but then she would dress up nicely to meet her suitors, which is plays a big role. So she was. Yeah, she'd do her own butchering. She would do all of her own manual labor. She was just like this. Well, that's why she was desirable. Woman. It's the same reason Keith married me. So because <laughs> you can fight you can fire, literally you can carry your own weight around the house. <laughs> literally. Like, and I could save him from a fire. Yeah. So right. like just toss him over you know, just toss him over my shoulder and, <laughs> and we're good to go. I know. I remember when I tried to the first time I tried to do the uh, run into his arms at the airport thing. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh no. He was picking me up from I think I went to go see family or something. And I flew in and okay. he had flowers for me. And I tried to do the, you know, he's the same height as me, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and I was like, I'm going to run into his arms. And I... Like leap into his arms yeah. and wrap your legs around him situation. Wrap my legs around oh, no, him because okay. he's a very strong yes. man. But yeah, I underestimated my own body mass. And <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm sure it just looked like me running towards him and then just like... 
tackling him <laughs> to the ground. Oh my god. And he god. pulled a muscle in his back. Stop it. No, it was it was bad. Oh yeah. my god, that Talk is Talk about not feeling delicate. I was like a full on like Marshawn Lynch move that right is, there. That's yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. So I, I never I did, did I never did it again. Like that was the, that was the first and last time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great story. So yeah, so she was she was a so big reports, broad woman. Reports vary. Yeah, and reports vary. It, it was it was well known that she was tall and she was stocky. Yeah, they definitely were not well off by any means. Right. All right. So there is this kind of well known story of how Balgunis got to be a terrible person. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, so what happened? You know what happened between like Bell, the like the hardworking Paul's daughter. You know. Farmer, laborer. How did she become a manipulative bitch? Yeah. <laughs> In the words of that pastor uh, yeah. from Michigan. Oh, he thinks he yeah. made a manipulative bitch. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just go a couple states over. Just go oh, a couple Indiana. states over. Okay, so this her. is Indiana. Oh, yes. yes. So, okay. So, um, so how did Belle get to be a manipulative bitch? A well, mur- let me tell us. you. Okay. And this would do it to anyone. So uh, the story, and this is... It's it's in multiple sources, but no one knows if this is true, right? Because how would they know? So when she was 18, she was at a dance in the country in Norway. And at this dance, some disgusting, despicable man came up to her and got they got into some sort of altercation and he kicked her in the abdomen. Well, it turns out that she was pregnant at the time. (gasps) And the injury caused her to miscarry. Oh man. And so not only that, the man who kicked her was a rich kid from a rich family, and he was never charged for the crime. Um, people say that after this, she just was not the same. They say she changed completely, which, like, yeah, I mean, a miscarriage, but also a violent one where the person who, who caused it didn't get any There's sort no of punishment. retribution. Because they're rich. Yeah. That's, that's going to cause you to get, I mean, that's going to fuck anyone up. Not um, maybe to the extent of Belle, but... So after uh, her miscarriage, she began working as a servant for a wealthy family who owned a large farm. And she did this for several several years. And during this time, one of her older sisters moved to America and Brynhild decided to follow in her footsteps in 1891. So once in America, she decided to change her name to sound more American, which was very common. So uh, she changed her name to Belle and she made her way to Chicago to live with her sister. And during that time, she continued working as a servant. In Chicago, Belle met a man named Mad Sorensen, and they fell in love. In 1884, they got married, and shortly after, they opened a candy store together, uh, which is like ideal life, right? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I want to own a candy store. Yeah. But it unfortunately, it wasn't very successful. So a few years after they opened the candy store, the store, as well as their home, burnt down. Whoa. And so, yeah, big bummer. It was a mystery, but Belle and Mad's, did obtain insurance money I from knew it. the burning down of the Yeah, building. oh, for Pete's sake. And so they used that money to buy a new home, and a lot of people attribute, like, this is the start of her kind of, like, scheming ways. Insurance fraud? Because she's committing insurance fraud, potentially, and that is part of her scheme throughout her life. So she, you know, she's a fairly smart woman. So her and uh, Mads have four kids together. They have Caroline... Axel, Myrtle, and Lucy. Now, okay. there are some sources that say that these kids were actually, like, adopted from 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 people who couldn't afford to keep their kids. Did they kids. have insurance policies on those kids? So, 
Funny that you say that. Uh, two oh, of the kids no. died as babies. Caroline and Axel died as babies. Now, both kids were diagnosed as having died of colitis, which has similar symptoms to many things kids experience. You know, fever, nausea, diarrhea. They're also symptoms of poisoning. I was going to say, it sounds like those are the symptoms of arsenic poisoning. And Belle and Albert collected life insurance on those children. Yep. Son of a bitch. It's not a huge leap to say it started with arson, then murdering children. Right. So Belle and Mads collected the life insurance on both of the children. And uh, in addition to the two remaining kids, Myrtle and Lucy, they also had another adopted daughter. Her name was Morgan Couch. And they later renamed her Jenny Olson. So um, they have essentially three children, Myrtle, Lucy, and Jenny Olson. Now... In 1900, so that you know, this is about 16 years after after Mads and Belle were married. Mad met an untimely death. So Belle had two life insurance policies that she took out on Mads. Oh my gosh! The really interesting part is that the insurance policies overlapped only on one day, and that's the day that Mads died. Oh what? That's you. Ah. And it was you know with Mads' death. His family immediately suspected Bell, and well, yeah. they wanted there to be more of an investigation. Two doctors did, you know, autopsies on Mads, and the first doctor did believe that he was poisoned. He was like, "Nah, this is uh, strychnine poisoning." Strychnine, yeah, strychnine. it's I, I believe it's rat poison. That's exactly what it's yeah, used for these it's days. really accessible. Yeah, so at the time, it was used for things like you use it for cleaning. You use it for yeah. There was there were some actual medical things that yeah. it was used for. Yeah, but but yeah, it was very accessible and it's colorless, it's odorless, it's bitter. But you know, it, it if it's inhaled, if it's absorbed, if it's if it's like injected, if it's mixed with a saline or a solution and, and uh, injected, like any of those can cause death. So it is like you could have done anything with this and and had it be you know successful poison. So the first doctor was like, I believe this was poisoning. I believe it's strychnine. However, the second doctor, who was like the family's doctor, who had seen Mads and and was his doctor, yeah, had been treating Mads for an enlarged heart. And said he believed that Mads had died of heart failure. How much you want to bet that other doctor was hooking up with her? What? Yeah. What do you? Th- I don't. You're right. Or, you're absolutely right. Or she promised him a payment of some kind. But Mads' family uh, immediately suspected Bell, and again wanted there to be more of an investigation. And Bell was questioned. They did investigate, but Bell was totally just, believable. Yeah, she was absolutely believable. She was very manipulative. She was very like. She seemed, she was charming. She was smart. She knew how to, to manipulate people. And so Belle was awarded the insurance money, which was $8,500. That's or, a lot back then. Or roughly a quarter of a million dollars in today's oh dollars. Oh, my God. So she used that money to buy a farm in Laporte, Indiana, which is where the majority of our story takes place. And this just, this like wasn't any farm. It was a farm that had this kind of creepy, dark history. It had previously been used as a brothel. And some thought it had been used for, like, human trafficking. So it was, like, people knew this farm. It was, like, a well-known farm. And she got a great deal on the farm. So as Belle was getting ready for her move from Chicago to Laporte, she ran into a man she had known previously. His name was Peter Gunnis. And he was also from Norway. So they immediately had a connection. They had previously, like, known one another. And, and oh, just, okay. like, immediately hit it What off. are the chances? Right. So Peter had an infant child and also uh, an older child, I think like a teenage daughter, and his profession was a butcher. So the two were married in April of 1902, 
And a week after the two were married, Belle was alone with Peter's infant daughter in their home without Peter. The child mysteriously died. That, I was going to say that, you know, she's not really one to go unsupervised. No. And so not long after the child died mysteriously in Belle's care, Peter also had an accident at his home. An accident. I'm doing an quotes. Ax- accident. An accident. <laughs> no, with an axe? Oh, okay. I'm but like, that was good. You fooled yeah, me. Yeah, I fooled you. No, no, it was, it was just... <laughs> I was like, here we go. No, not yeah. that. With a, with a meat grinder. Oh my God, that's worse. Somehow, I don't know why, but yeah, that's, that's worse. terrible. <laughs> so, according to Belle, which she told a couple different stories. First was that he had like looked over a pot of boiling water and like fell back and and hit his head or something. But the story, her second story was that- As one does. Right, was that a meat grinder had fallen off the shelf in the kitchen and hit him on the head, which killed him. So everyone in the room was like, there's no way that this like, that this could have happened. There's no way. And the coroner agreed. The coroner looked at the body and said immediately, like this wasn't an accident. This was obviously murder. So additionally, Belle's foster daughter, Jenny Olson- had apparently been overheard telling a classmate that her mom had hit her stepdad over the head with a meat cleaver. <laughs> okay, there's there's a massive difference between a meat cleaver and a meat grinder. Right. Like there's a lot who, who, I, I'm just I'm not sure how I, these yeah. how these investigators were investigating, but I don't think they were doing it. Or if good they job. were even investigating or they were like they were like, hey. I think that looks like the, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, her story checks yeah. out. That looks like a, a meat grinder hit him on the back of the head. And they're like, you know, or a horse kicked him in the face. But either way, he's either dead. Either or, he's dead. Yeah. Let's just rule it an accidental death. So the police, once again, did investigate. But again, Bell was extremely convincing and managed to convince them that it was an accident. No charges were Well, and these filed. are all men, right? Yeah. That so are questioning like him. So she's like. Shimmying herself. Shimmying her. And like pushing her boobs together. Boobies. Like, what, officer? What? That's why. That's probably why I never get away with anything because I, I, I don't. I don't have a you very like a, blinking and ample like, chest. Here, do you need some? Do you need yeah. something for your eye? <laughs> like, here, we've got like an, a retina cleanse if you need it. Like, no, it's winking at you. No. Yeah. So uh, the community knew it was murder. They knew Peter could never be so clumsy, and they thought Bell was involved. Uh, in addition, Belle was pregnant with Peter's child at the time. And in 1903, she gave birth to a son named Philip. Hey, so she buys this farm, right? But is it in a different town than Mads died in? Yeah, Mads died in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yep. So people likely don't know her Correct. in this town. And they don't know about her first husband. Absolutely. So Mads died in Chicago. And then she she met Peter right before she was going to... Because she used his insurance money, Mads' insurance money, to buy the, buy farm, the farm in Laporte. So in 1906, so we're fast forwarding a couple of years here, neighbors noticed that Jenny Olson, Belle's like foster daughter, ha- was like not around anymore and, and just noticed her absence. Belle told everyone like, oh, she she went to college in LA. She went to Los Angeles. She, she went out there for college. They were like, Whoa. okay, you know, like... Cool. That's kind of far. And she's like, well, it's a good Lutheran school that she went out to. She went out there for college. Which college was pretty rare for women in 1903. Like going across country? Like, and that's, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, so that was Belle's excuse. But in 1907, she was getting lonely. You know, Peter had. As you do. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, 
you do. Uh, Peter Gunis had been dead now for two or three years. And so she was looking for some love. And this is when she placed a personal ad oh. um, in several Norwegian newspapers across the Midwest. So in big cities across the Midwest. And her personal ad said this. Personal. Widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Oh, she, she's a fucking murderer. Yeah. But you better not be a trifler. Yeah, God damn it. Like, don't be a trifler. What the hell is a trifler anyway? One who behaves not seriously. Oh, so she doesn't want any dicking around. Yeah. She, she could have just said that. Yeah. yeah. I don't want any dick around. Yeah. I don't want anyone dicking around. So... The ad got a lot of attention, and Belle was often seen with men after that. She'd be wearing fancy clothes, taking carriage rides, eating fine foods. She was, like, being clearly being well taken care of by these men due to this personal ad. So she was getting, like, tons of uh, attention based on this personal ad. Well, wow, she's an influencer. <laughs> what products is she using? We all need to know we what all need to know. is using to plump her lips. Up, her her, her waist, lips? Her waist. Yeah. Her waist. <laughs> What does she use to make her waist look so small? She and her got a great so push-up bra. Yeah, right? <laughs> in addition to the attention of suitors and people noticing that she was having lots of uh, men visit her, they also noticed that she was ordering a lot of large trunks that were delivered to the home. Oh, so the men weren't coming back out. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they weren't were, leaving. Uh, yeah. So when she wasn't out with men, you know, in the evening, she was most of the time, she would like be at her home, literally with her home shuttered up and keeping to herself. So people were like, she's different. Her so kids. are the, so the kids must be shuttered up too. They're just shuttered up, hanging what out with existence. her. What an existence. Living, living there not best lives. She's got oh, a lot God. of junk in her trunk. Yeah, she does. That's, oh, oh, that's very true. Like literal junk. <laughs> Dead people junk. Dead people junk. Uh, so we're going to talk about several of the people that are known to have visited her. And never left. And never left. Belle's sort of shtick was that she would correspond with these people via letter for right. some time to get to know them before they'd come to visit and plan on, you know, they'd make plans to, like, have a life together. Well, because she'd have to stagger them, right? you got too many irons in the fire. That's very They're going to cross over. And travel takes, like, a considerable amount of time. True that. You don't want one train showing up while the other train's leaving. And she's posting these ads in, like, lots of major cities. Like, uh, like there are people that come from all across the Midwest, pretty much. You know, Missouri, Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, Michigan uh, are coming and answering these ads because she... She puts them in, in newspapers all over the country. Wow. She's running a, it's a pretty well-oiled machine. She then. really is. She's like, get the body out, bring the guy in. She's get the very, body out, bring the body in. Yes. Yeah. She's very organized. So uh, the first man who she kind of corresponded with that that we know of um, was a man named John Moe. And John Moe came from Minnesota. He brought $1,000 with him as a means to pay off her mortgage. So one of the things <gasps> that she would do in these letters was like, I really need help paying off my mortgage, but then we'll own this this property together and, you know, we can, we'll, we'll build wealth. We've got all of this going for us. So it'll be a great life, blah, blah, blah. So John Moe hung out with Belle for a couple days. Belle was introducing him to her neighbors as her cousin. That's pretty scandalous to have a dude come and stay with an, 
unmarried woman, so she would have to tell them that, that he's... I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. I bet that's true. Like, yeah. I was like, why would she do that if she was planning on, you know, if she was quote-unquote planning on marrying him? So, yeah, so she was telling neighbors that this John Moe was her cousin, but within about a week of him coming to Indiana, nobody saw John Moe. <laughs> John Moe. I mean, I shouldn't laugh, was but... nowhere to be found. But John, I know, buddy, I know. like, you don't... <sighs> Yeah, I mean these poor men. They they just like saw this opportunity. They're lonely and oh. Um, next came a man named George Anderson. Now George again. These are all almost exclusively Norwegian men. I was going to say posted in Norwegian newspapers back then. People didn't think women were dangerous. Yeah, or it wasn't a common theme. Well, and Belle is a very interesting serial killer. Most of the time, women, female serial killers, will kill for things like power. Or yeah, Eileen Warnos. Right. Yeah, yeah. You kill for power or you kill for money. But right. with Belle, like sort of money, I guess, a little bit. But I also, think it like, was a resentment of men. Yeah, but also honestly. she, I mean, the fact that she, the brutality of her crimes, it was unnecessary. They were unnecessarily brutal, which we'll talk about. But it seems like it was something different for her. And the sheer volume of her victims, like it just seems like it was maybe, one of the sources I read talked about, yeah, how, how, Male serial killers, more likely than not, are killing for sexual gratification. And female, like, that is not ever yeah. something that women kill for. Right. And, and they, well, But they they wonder if maybe she did get some sort of sexual gratification from this, which would... Yeah, it does make you wonder, like, what her motive was. Because it wasn't just money. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I mean, she... At the end of this, she had a, enough money. She didn't need to continue. I mean, I guess, again, it... it Power was it the fact that she was getting away with it, but th- that doesn't mean that doesn't increase the brutality that yeah you know. And if she's doing it in a really brutal way, it you have to wonder if it's not just this hatred and where that comes from, right? Yeah. So the second man that that came to her home was a man named George Anderson, and he came from Missouri. Uh, once again, he brought with him money and offered to pay off their mortgage if they got married. Now, the first night he was at the farm because he was like he was staying at the farm and her thing was like she would make a nice meal for the the men and then they'd go to sleep. The first night that he was at the farm, he awoke in the middle of the night to Belle standing over him. She Ooh. had a candle in her hand and he said that she was giving him the fucking creepiest look he'd ever seen. <laughs> And he said, like, he was terrified. He jumped out of bed and put on his clothes. And, like, once she realized that he was awake, she snapped out of it and, like, sprinted out of the room. And he was so creeped out, jumped out of bed, got got his clothes on, and literally bolted out of the farm, did not come back for his belongings, got the first train back to Missouri, uh, Missouri, and, like, never spoke to Belle again, didn't come back for his things, was just, like, that much, like, I need to get the fuck out of there. Well, something's wrong with her. So I mean, clearly, but like, I don't know. I, you always hear, I was fascinated with like, she had this creepy look on her, on her face, but it reminded me of like Ted Bundy, how people yeah. said like when he was killing, he literally turned his into a different person were like, his eyes were dark and deep black. and like terrifying. Yeah. And I'm like, that creeps me out. So the third man was Oli Budsberg. He was oh, a, I know. Even worse, he was an elderly widower from Wisconsin. Oh, no. Yeah. Just an old dairy farmer. So the day yeah. after he got to LaPorte uh, on April 6, 1907, and he was seen at the bank that day, he mortgaged his land in Wisconsin, signed over the deed to Bell, 
got several thousand dollars in cash and was never seen again. Never seen again. So his children didn't know he was going to LaPorte when they found out. They wrote to Bell and were like, do you know what happened? Like, can you give us any information? We haven't seen him. And she responded, denying ever seeing their dad. And back then, there's 1907, there's really nothing they can do. Like, they... They can travel down there, but that takes money and time and... And, and like, you literally have to rely on eyewitnesses. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, you could, I suppose, like, like train records, things like that, but it's not like there's CCTV or, or like, receipts, really. Or Ubers. Right. Or there's, it's taxi drivers. Like, like you're relying yeah. on people who say they saw X or Y or whatnot. It's right. Like totally different. Oh, so, in 1907, many, many men were seen coming to Bell's Farm and not leaving. <laughs> So it was just, it was this, like, constant flow of men going in and, and not coming out. But it, wouldn't you think that people would at least be questioning why she has so many male visitors? Like, they can't all be family? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I mean, sure she was she the talk get of the a, time. Yeah, she, she was, would get a reputation at the very least. And maybe she did. But she also had a farm, so I guess you could say, like, they could be workers. They could be, it could be various things. So... So next, the next man we're going to talk about is a man named Andrew Helgeline. Now, in December 1907, he began e- uh, emailing. <laughs> he did not email. <laughs> in 1907. Uh, he began writing letters back and forth to Belle after he read her personal ad. They wrote back and forth many times over the next, like, several months. And her final letter to Andrew convinced him to move to Laporte, and it was later found in his home. And this is what the letter said. To the dearest friend in the world... No woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. And I like you better than anyone in the world. And I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world, we will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly when I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song. It is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. And that's what Andrew did. Oh, literally forever. So Andrew came to be with Belle and he brought with him $2,900 in savings and a couple of days after his arrival, he deposited the check at the bank with Belle. Not long after, he was not seen again. So this is her first screw up in terms of, of choosing somebody who actually had family that would follow up and, and wonder what was going on. So Andrew had a brother. His name was Isle. And Isle was concerned when Andrew didn't come home and wrote to Belle asking, like, similar to right. the kids of, of that that elderly widow. Yeah. Who, Asking like, hey, do you know where my brother is? He came to see you and and now he's gone. And Belle wrote back saying that he had left her farm and she hadn't seen him. And she thought maybe he went to Norway to visit relatives. Uh, And I was like, that's not possible. And I know he's still in the area. Like, where is he? Belle wrote back and said, if you want to come and search, like, I'll help you search. But I expect to be paid for my efforts. (gasps) Oh, my God. She's. Such a greedy whore. Right. Like, what? Right. Can you believe that? I expect to be paid for my efforts. Gross. So, yeah. She is an influencer. She wants know, to eat right. for free. You're right. Good God. <laughs> uh, so during this time, Belle 
did actually hire a farmhand. His name was Ray Lampier, and he started working for her in 1907, and quickly their platonic relationship turned romantic. Wow, chicka, wow. Yeah. So Ray wasn't enough for Belle because she was... She's like, you're a farmhand. I need more. Because that's who she is. Money. Um, Yeah. And that's when she placed the personal ad. So Ray was around like the entire time while these men are coming to and fro. And And he loves her. And he like loves her. Maybe he helped get rid of the body. Maybe you're doing a little foreshadowing here. So Ray started getting annoyed in early 1908. Um, he was in love with Belle and would literally just do anything for her. And when Andrew came to the house, so when Andrew was the, the last man that we spoke about, um, Ray threw a fit in front of Belle and in front of Andrew and just was like, who's just, this dude? Exactly. Like yeah. making a big scene. And after that, uh, Ray was fired. So Belle fired him due to, you know, that outburst. And it was within a few days of that outburst that, that Andrew was no longer around. Oh, great. So, After she fired Ray, she also went to court and convinced them to hold a sanity hearing for him. Um, She said he wasn't right in his mind. He was a menace to society, just like completely turned her back and just like backstabbing. Well, she's taking preemptive measures to make sure he doesn't go to the police. Or is she planning a bigger thing, you know, (gasps) or is she planning something more long term? He was declared sane and he was released and he kept returning to her farm. He would argue with her. They They, didn't have restraining orders. Right. They they didn't have restraining orders. That poor dude. He was in love with her. She totally rebuffed him by saying that he he wasn't successful enough. Right. Then she's going through this like parade of men through her house and he likely had to help her get rid of the bodies out of his devotion to her. And then she fires him. And then she tries to say he's crazy. She is the expert gaslighter. Yeah. Right. yeah. Gaslighter is what <laughs> Val Gunas is. So after he was released, he kept he returned to the farm over and over. And apparently he continued helping Val. With different tasks. Because so, he probably thought, well, she'll eventually right. be like, I just want to be close to her. Exactly. Aww. And so during this time, he did brag to somebody at like a local bar that he had, quote unquote, done away with Andrew. So there was people were starting to think like, hmm, maybe that bell is a little off. <laughs> now she's been through yeah. what? Four or five guys. In addition, Bell visited a lawyer saying that her life was in danger because of Ray. She said that Ray had threatened to kill her, her and her kids, and then said that he was going to burn the house down. So Belle had the attorney prepare a will, and she she reported all these to the attorney, but didn't report anything to the police. So she told an attorney, like, hey, I know, like, all this stuff is going on, but, you know, you'd think, like, if that was true. She, yeah. she didn't hesitate to go to the police to ask them to hold a sanity hearing on him. But if he's threatening her life, she's not going to go to the police. No, she's just going to go to the attorney. So the attorney, she's very smart. Yeah, she's very smart. So the attorney can say later, she told me that, yeah. Exactly. So that no action can be taken at that point. But just in case, for later, after something happens. Absolutely. Oh, so with Ray Lampier being fired and, and not being able to help Belle with the many tasks around the house, she hired a new farmhand named Joe Maxson. 
So he was hired in February of 1908. So a couple of months after Joe Maxson was hired, he woke up in the middle of the night. It was uh, April 28th, 1908. And there was a strong smell of smoke. And he was, you know, as a farmhand, he was living in the house. So he was sharing the house with with Belle and and her her children. And he opens his servant quarter doors, essentially, and found a wall of smoke and flames. He screamed for Belle. He screamed for the kids, didn't hear anything in return. And he closed the door to kind of block off the, the smoke and the fire. And he jumped out of the second story window. He was just wearing his underwear. Oh. He jumped out the window. <laughs> To get out of the uh, the fire, and he did survive the fall, thankfully, no serious injuries, and he ran into town to get help. So got help, came back, and when he arrived back with help, help, the house was just in ruins. It was completely burned to a crisp. So the sheriff, obviously, this is huge news in the town, um, and the sheriff is informed by the attorney about the threats against Bell. And immediately could tell that it was not an accident. The fire had been started by someone. It wasn't an accident. It was arson. It's also not her first rodeo yeah. with the fire. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the candy store, her home. Like, yeah. I mean, she's, she knows what she's doing. So inside the burned home were the corpses of three children and one adult missing her head. What? Correct. Oh. So at first. I bet she didn't see what was coming. <gasps> <laughs> She could have gotten ahead of it. But she didn't. <laughs> I bet she lost her head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, we're good. We're so good. <laughs> so at first it was suspected that the bodies were Belle and her three kids. You know, Myrtle, who at the time was 11, Lucy was nine, and Philip, who was five. However, the headless corpse appeared Far smaller than Belle. Like, not just a little smaller, like half the size. Well, that was her mistake. So. That was, a, that was, I bet she didn't think that was going to come back and bite her in the ass. So, as you might recall, estimates as to her height were between 5'7 and 6 foot. Um, and her weight, 230 to 300 pounds, like anywhere in there. The headless corpse was estimated to be just 5'3 with the head. In addition, the woman in the fire was thought to be just 120 to 130 pounds. So literally half the size of Belle. Maybe she was doing CrossFit. Right. <laughs> you don't know. She's been working out, you know. She, she went on the keto diet. Trunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, paleo's been really good for me. <laughs> uh, so I love, so one of my favorite parts of looking up and researching old cases is like the old newspaper articles. I like love looking at old newspapers. Oh yeah, they because the lurid headlines would would like entice. They're just so good. They're so good, and like pictures and like yeah, the, the wording is so f- just it's fantastic. It's just I mean, it used to be an art form. Yeah, right. Because like we talked about before, like you could write whatever you want. You could write whatever. I don't believe she was 300 pounds because I feel like that was some journalist who was like exaggerating. But I also believe that she was she wasn't just like 220 pounds. I think she was probably in the middle somewhere. And same with like the six foot. Probably not. But was she five seven? No, I bet she was maybe like five nine. Did the reporter have to look up to make eye contact with her? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he probably thought she was six uh, foot. Yeah, she was so she was a giant. She was so tall. Fucking giant. She was so tall. So. So an article in the South Bend Tribune stated, her measurements resulted in the astounding revelation that the dead woman was not more than half the size 
or weight of the siren who is supposed to have lured a score of men to their death. You're I making her that, sound like a giant I mermaid. Like, I love the fact they call her a siren. Oh yeah. God. So who is this poor woman? Right. So in addition to like the, the measurements and, and doctors being like, this woman was way smaller than Belle. Neighbors, friends, farmers, tons of people in the community came and looked and and looked at the body, which I think is repulsive because like she was burnt to a crisp. But many people looked at the body and was like, that is not Belle. Like, that's not well, her body. keep in mind, hangings used to be public. Well, this murder farm was literally an amusement park within minutes of this murder happening. They opened it up to the public like a straight-up amusement oh, park. Oh, I'm sure. Because if they can find through. any way to make money out of the macabre, they will. Oh, and I mean, people were traipsing through and, and like, take you know, like, just, like, oh, taking yeah. things and, like, I mean... Like, no, you think of people needed things to do. I get it. But like, yeah. holy shit, seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So there were lots of people who were like, let me check out her bod. And we're like, no, that's not her. One of my I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were talking about this, like this morgue that used to be open in, in Paris. It was a way for people to identify bodies that weren't like that people didn't like they didn't know who they were. Yeah. But it was literally like an amusement. People would like get dressed up fancy where yep. and like they'd be like, let's go to the morgue and then dinner. And they just like go and like look at corpses and, and then go like have a fancy meal. It was like their source of entertainment. And I'm like, my God, like, can you imagine doing that today? People would be like, you're a serial killer. If yeah. that's your entertainment, if that's your enjoyment. But yeah, I guess we just now watch disgusting shows and yeah, we like this. Like, we're, so, yeah, yeah, we had no social boundaries. Yeah. Back I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so the investigators determined that the only way that they would be able to to figure out if this was Belle or not was to find her head or any like remnants of like her skull or her teeth or anything. Right, because that was like, the only identifying feature back. Yeah, then. because yeah. they were like, it's pretty unlikely that this is her, but like. She's missing her head. So, like, if we could find any part of her head. So, they were, like, did a huge... What did she think, like, they were going to be, like, well, I, she's just a really tall head. Yeah. Like, <laughs> her head is an entire foot long. We're missing 12 inches here, <laughs> folks. Well, I'm sure if we find the head, then then we'll know. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she's just, like, really thin long head oh god like an hey arnold character but instead of pumpkin head it's like zucchini splash head (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that is the stuff of nightmares i hate zucchini squash i think it was like tricks or again maybe it was capri sun it was some sort of commercial (laughs) in the 90s Kids would, oh no, I think it was Gushers. They would eat a yes! Gusher and, and then their head, head turns into a fruit. And so that's like a picture that like eat a zucchini and your head just turns into a zucchini. <laughs> oh my oh, God. So, so yeah, they just like, yeah. we've got a massive head. Here. We gotta, we gotta find this massive head. Yeah. So, and then case closed. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So. So investigators were like, we got to find this head. So they were like digging all over the property trying to find this head. They actually had a miner come in to do some sifting through the ashes to see if they could find like small Oh, bits. a miner. Yeah. M-I-N-E-R. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. Someone under 18. They were like, only those little fingers. 
I was like, well, most of the workers back then were miners. So, <laughs> so they had like a literal like mining okay. miner okay. come in to sift through the ashes to see if they could find any evidence that would point to Bell. I think it was like a month later. The miner did find some teeth and it was a bridge which had similar features to a bridge uh, that Bell had. So her dentist identified it. He was like, that's her bridge. That's the bridge from her teeth. And there were a couple newspaper articles that claimed that in addition to the bridge, there was like a burnt tooth stump still attached to the bridge. So they were like, well, that's proof. Like her bridge is here. That that's her. That's her. And so they just reasoned it like, yeah, like, like yeah, well, you know, her entire skeleton shrunk <laughs> in the fire. That that's that explains it. That's like, a given, right? That's, that's a, a given. We, I think we can all agree <laughs> that bones shrink in a fire, right? Yeah. Okay. Like everything okay. shrinks when it's yeah. hot, right? This yeah. all checks out. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that's what they. What the fuck? So literally, like, yeah, like the newspaper articles are like, no question now that Bell Gunis died in fire, and like because her bridge was found. It's like, but what about her body? It's yeah. like literally <laughs> half the size. Are we ignoring that like very crucial fact? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> so, like I said, they opened the farm up to like spectators. And uh, in addition, Andrew's brother, so Andrew was one of her victims. Andrew's brother, Isle, who wrote to her and was like, like I need yeah. to know where my brother is. And she's like, well, if you want to pay me, I can. Like, if you want to pay me for any time. <laughs> so he actually came to the farm and was like, I want you guys to dig around. Because, like, I feel like there's some suspicious shit going on here. And um, he told the sheriff, he's like, I know my brother was on this farm. And, you know, after he shared what had happened and how he and, and Belle's relationship had progressed. And, like, then he just went missing. He was like, there's something really weird. And I I, I would love it if you would just dig I would around. love it. I would love it if you dig around the yeah. farm. <laughs> you just, just here or there. Yeah. Just, poke, just poke around a little bit. So he, like like everybody else, is just kind of like dawdling around this farm like a weird spectator. But he was there like like acting like an investigator. Um, and he was literally watching police officers doing digging and investigating. And as he's watching, he notices, he sees that the police are digging through the rubble to find this missing corpse. And they're digging up like men's watches and, and like pieces of bone and other bizarre items. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? You know, so like, this is the rubble of the fire of the fire. Yes. So like of the house. So, so like, she didn't just bury them around the property. There's like, there's a bunch of stuff. Like she probably stacked trunks. Exactly. She had trunks or she had, you know, like if she took the watches off the men and had them somewhere, but like there were things in the rubble of this fire. And and he's like watching police, like pick these things up. And he's like, you guys got to di- like, we need to figure out where else on this farm. What we're they digging. think because like she just, well, she probably she, inherited these. She was these. a collector of She was a collector watches. of men's watches. <laughs> And, you know, so um, so he, you know, walking around the property and in doing so, he noticed there was a large pit near the pig pen. And he was like, you guys need to check this pit out. There's like there's this pit. <laughs> These investigators I know. like they're, they're like, like oh, watch. We all know that there's a pet cemetery over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you notice all the names are like John and Peter? Like, <laughs> just strange name for pets, but yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> so that's, you know, he, he convinced the police to come over and start digging in the pit. And in that pit, they did locate four bodies. 
so all of his like, you know, he he immediately knew he's like, I, I knew that something was weird about this farm. And he's the one that that pushed the police to start digging in, in places other than the burned house. Yeah. And so they located four bodies in this like pig pen area. Well, if it weren't for him, then they would have never found the bodies. A hundred percent. Because they're so incompetent. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're like, mm-hmm. no, we're just gonna dig around this this burned this out seems fire. Pretty area. open and shut to <laughs> yeah, me. So I don't know. What about you guys? Like, oh, the miner? Like Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, they're not capable of sifting themselves. Yeah, so and they I were like, like, let's bring in an expert. <laughs> Good old Howard here from the coal mines. Like, like and he was the miner also was like elderly and he died like in during the Oh my god, that's Terrible! Like the last part of his life was sifting through old. When he could have been striking it rich, like right. in the superstition mountains, but right. instead he's over he's here sifting for teeth. Sifting right. for teeth. God, I hope they paid him well. I know. Not that he could use right. it. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they did. Yeah. So yes, there were four bodies that were located. They had all been butchered. They'd been dismembered, and of they'd been course. wrapped in oilcloth. One of those four bodies was the brother of Isle, uh, Andrew. Yeah. So after hearing of the bodies being discovered on the farm, we come back to Joe, Joe Maxson, who is the the uh, farmhand who was hired like after Ray was was let go. Right. Um, and so he was hired to kind of take the place of Ray Lamp here. And by all, in, you know, appearances it it seems like he's not involved. Right. And okay. he like he was the last he's the one that like called for them, didn't hear anything, jumped out of the house, went and got help. Like she just didn't give a fuck about no. Joe. No, she, she was didn't give like, a fuck about Joe. <laughs> she's like, what's died, one more dude? Yeah. So after hearing about the bodies that were discovered, he came forward with some interesting information. He told the sheriff that Gunnis had asked him to bring wheelbarrows full of dirt to an area where the hawks were fed. And it was near the near the pig pen. And he said that the ground in that area was totally uneven. There were like big hills and then there were pits of dirt. And she wanted it all evened out. He, of course, was like, what is in these pits? You know, what's what's in all these holes? Why yeah. is it? You don't like, get paid to ask yeah, questions. Exactly. Yeah. Well, shut up, Joe. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, unless you want to end up like the, like the rest of the guys in this pit. Right. So she said it was just garbage and that she needed the ground. That is out. so horrible. Uh, just, just rubbish. He's just like trash. Okay. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Right. Technically, right. they were. Yeah. <laughs> so they like people. Uh, there were other witnesses that came forward and said like if they'd be driving past her house, walking or I don't know, carriage riding past her house, <laughs> galloping. I don't know by her house at night. They occasionally would see her like in that area, like just digging at night. At night. A fucking monster. Um, well, <laughs> like that's one way to stay fit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she's just digging in that area at night. So so that was obviously that, plus Joe saying, like, this is an area that there's some creepy stuff. They were suspicious enough to go in the area and, and start digging. And they found a shit ton of bodies there. Oh, more than the four? Oh, shit ton of bodies. Oh. Just body parts, dismembered pieces. Honestly, more body parts than could be counted. You know, those poor kids had to have witnessed oh, it. absolutely. And they absolutely. were just probably terrified. Right. And if the oldest was nine. Or 11, but still, yes. Yeah. I mean. Like, they're not fighting back. Or, and Jenny Olsen, who, like, was old enough to go to college. So she was, like. She probably was old enough to tell. Right. And she was a liability. 
So speaking of Jenny Olson, the bodies that were discovered in this new area, one of which was uh, identified as Jenny Olson. God. Um, near her were also the bodies of two children who were never identified. Not even like insurance policies, like nothing. No, nope. nope, nothing. Nothing could identify these two children. Um, the oh other people God. who were positively identified and they were identified like remains were identified by loved ones or personal items were identified. Personal Dental items, records yeah. were used. But one of the people, I can't remember which one, the, the it was a spouse or a or some loved one identified them from their skull. We're like, that's his cheekbone. Then he's got that same head and like, oh, like, how, how horrible. Like, that doesn't sound possible to me. I'm skeptical of that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a skull regardless. I'm not sure yeah. if it was this, the, you know, who knows if that was the correct person. I'm not saying but... you're lying. <laughs> I'm saying you don't have to get so defensive. Jesus. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Tell my story. God damn it. I just wanted to tell you. You're a liar part. and a fraud. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Guys, if Katie says she's digging for a pool, she's not. She doesn't swim. There's just garbage back there, guys. <laughs> just oh garbage. <laughs> you just called me garbage. Jesus. Uh. All I'm saying is that it's, I don't know how you would be able to tell that it was your loved one from well, their school. Well, how many skulls have you looked at, Katie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I lost count a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, uh, so the bodies that were identified, you know, like I said, Jenny Olson and two children who weren't identified. Oli Budsberg of Wisconsin. The, oh! Yeah, the, the sweet old old widow, widower. Um, uh, a couple of people we didn't talk about here. Thomas Lindbow, Chicago. Henry Gerholt of Wisconsin. Olaf, uh... Svenerhound of Chicago, John Moe of Minnesota, who we did talk about, Olaf Lindblom of Wisconsin. Two Olafs? I know. Yep, it's just... Oh, Jesus. Now look at the draw, I guess. Benjamin Carling of Illinois. But due to her crude method of disposal, there were likely dozens of victims. And later estimates put it at roughly 40, between 40 and 45 victims. I had no idea that she... Had such a high body count. Yes. I mean, of course, I've heard of her. Yes. But. She was a monster. <laughs> Holy. Then, yeah, you have to wonder if it wasn't about more than just money. Yes, because it's like 40 people. So now we are back to Ray Lampere because Ray is, you know, he's still in the picture. He was obviously the po- police's prime suspect in all of this because she had planned it that way. She had told people that he was he threatening was, her, that he yeah. was a menace to society, that he was insane. That he was crazy. He was yep. going to kill her, all of this stuff. And so police immediately were like, we got to go talk to Ray. So Ray claimed to have no knowledge of the fire, have nothing to do with the fire. However, a witness came forward and said that they did see him running from the house that morning. And so based on that, he was arrested and charged with arson and murder of of Belle and her three kids. But not murder of the body parts and stuff. That oh, they correct. Found. Correct. Okay. Because okay. it was obvious to the, like, once they started discovering body parts, they were like, this woman was a fucking psycho. But they still are so, like, 
so stupid they think she died in the fire. And that was the big, so so during Ray's trial, so on May 22nd, 1908, he his trial started for the crimes and he adamantly said he was, he was innocent. The prosecution had a quote unquote confession, which Ray and everyone that he knew denied. He's like, I did not confess to this. I never confessed to this. But police are like, oh, no, he did. He, uh, he Again, we're back to you could say or do anything you wanted exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And so police claim they had this confession from Ray. And he's like, ah, no. The defense was, you know, simply this was not Belle. Like, this isn't Belle's body. Obviously, she's the one that's involved in this. Look at her farm. It's full of dead corpses. So the defense was like, this isn't Belle's body. So if that's not Belle, but those are her kids, and it's clearly staged to look like Belle, Belle is the one that did this, like, as well as everything else. So uh, the defense also put into question the teeth that were found, that they were the literal only evidence in favor of that being Belle, and they could have been planted. They, you know, they could have been teeth from somebody else. They, this was common dental work. Yes, the dentist said that was her bridge, but like, how how does she know? So witnesses, additionally, the defense had a couple of witnesses who came forward to say that Belle, that they saw Belle had a female visitor in the days leading up to the fire. She was short and petite, and they claimed that after the fire, they did not see her again. She could put, she could have put out another classified ad and said yeah. she needed a nanny or she needed a housekeeper and. So the stomach contents of the, the quote-unquote Bell um, contained that specific poison that Bell strike Strick nine. nine. Yeah, strike nine, who, which Bell was known to use in, in her murders. Lastly, the defense uh, pointed to evidence that Bell had withdrawn almost all of her money from the bank. Of course. Just days before. Yeah. At this time... She had $250,000 in the bank. What is that? $2 million these days? It's almost $7 million. Holy shit! And she withdrew almost all of it in the days leading up to the fire. Of course. So at the end of the day, Ray was found guilty of arson, but not guilty of murder. So he was sentenced to 21 years in prison. What? They could, they, I guess they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that he was near the fire. I guess... So I didn't find a lot of information, but I did read a couple articles today about there was a woman that he was with the night of the fire. And she claimed that he was that he like left like right around the time that the fire started and came back right after the fire. A year into his sentence, he died of tuberculosis. One year into his sentence. Buddy, just that is what we call an unfortunate life. Like. So the good news about his, uh, him, you know, being on his deathbed was that he did make a deathbed confession. So Ray um, spoke with the chaplain um, on his deathbed and he admitted that he was involved in the fire, but said that Bell was alive. He said that they planned to start the fire, make it seem like Bell was killed and then run off together. And of course, lo and behold, he got left behind. Exactly. Oh, like, dude, why said, did you think it was going to be different? He said he literally saw her like running away in the field. He could see like her silhouette like running away in the field <laughs> as he was like, oh, I just lit the fire for you. Yeah. Like you had suggested, he claimed that Belle had lured a woman from Chicago saying that she was looking to hire somebody as a housekeeper. She killed the woman. She decapitated her. She weighed her head down with rocks and threw her head in a pond. She then brought the body to the basement, dressed in her clothing, and put her fake teeth in the mouth to make sure it would be identified as, as her. She also, unfortunately, smothered her children and brought them to the basement and then started the fire before leaving. 
She has no regard for human life. No. Like anything no. that's deemed as a is a liability, a or, liability, yeah. or you know, an obstacle of any kind, she just kills or an inconvenience. Right. Oh my god. So he said that he hadn't killed anyone, but he absolutely frequently helped Bell. Oh, with, he'd have to. Uh, dismembering yeah do with the digging it takes so much to dismember a body oh. so i've been told yeah <laughs> and, um, not and, personal knowledge <laughs> actually she, i haven't been told very clear but the interesting thing about bell was that she had you know she had essentially training from her husband peter the butcher peter gunas was a was a butcher and and she learned a lot from him and yeah. so that's she used those skills in butchering her so um, he also was able to give details of like how Belle worked and what it was, was, you know, her victims would arrive and she charmed them by cooking them a large meal. She would put poison in their coffee and it was always, it was enough to make them feel out of it, but not enough to like actually kill them, which is another thing. Like if she wanted to kill them, poison them and that's it. But she liked, she enjoyed the the later part, which was. She would then, you know, ask as they were feeling out of it, she would split their head with a meat cleaver. Yeah, that was. Whereas, again, like a lot of times you hear about women serial killers and they they don't want to do it messy. They don't want it to be. They no, want it yeah, to be poison no. or it's women like, I'll poison somebody, not Belle. She would poison them, yes, but then that was only to make them a little bit incapacitated and then she would like butcher them. So she was known for that. He said that that was one of her MOs, but he would, she would occasionally wait for them to go to bed, go in their room and chloroform them. And then again with a cleaver. So that, that man that I think it was said second, she, he woke up and, and saw. Was, yeah. He was probably like, he probably awoke right before she was planning uh, on chloroforming and killing him. So, um, so she would then carry their bodies to her basement and she would dismember it. She'd pack up the body parts and then bury them in her pig pen for them to be found and eaten by her pigs. Other times, she, this is absolutely repulsive, oh, but no. uh, I'm just going to. She would put the body in a hog scalding vat, which I looked up what that is. And it's what it sounds like. It's just a giant pot of boiling water that you would put, you know, pig carcass in to loosen up hair and muscle and make it easier to butcher. to butcher. And then she would cover the bodies with quick lime. I was going to say lime. Come yeah. back and uh, dismember them at a later time. Oh, if she was God. feeling real tired, she would just <laughs> chop up the bodies and feed them to her pigs. If she was feeling, if she was beat and yeah. had a long day. She had a long day. She oh, would literally just cut God. up the bodies and feed them to her pigs. So when we say like, there were just bits and pieces of human remains all over and like the body count we can't you know is you can't ascertain what it is yeah. it's literally because there were bits and pieces of body parts and you couldn't they could piece together <sighs> I think total they pieced together 24 like full bodies but there were so many other odds and ends that so ray had known about bell's activities for a long time and he you know a lot of time he would take part in, you know, helping her. Yeah, he was devoted parts. to her, clearly. He would also, like, there were, like, situations where he would 
he would send a letter to himself, you know, and pretend it to be like the victim. And so he could be like, see, oh. they're, they're okay. They wrote me a letter. Or like, see, this is their brother saying that they arrived back at home or whatnot. So he was like very involved in covering up her crime. So what happened to Belle? She's a I, giant she, woman. Yeah, she's, like, <laughs> she obviously didn't. I mean, it is my opinion that she was not. This was obviously all Belle's handiwork. She did not die in the fire. She no. escaped and like went off. To continue her rampage. Or maybe she just, like, she was done and and went off and did, I don't they know. They never found her? Never found her. She's a giant woman. She's a giant woman. And she left Laporte and nobody knows what happened to her. Mexico. So uh, there were, like, over the next, like, 20 or 30 years, there were constant, like, like I think they said the police station Laporte would get... At least two or three calls a month to be like, Belle's here. Or like, I saw her here or whatnot. So, um, uh, in yeah, in January of 1910, a woman um, thought to be Belle was arrested in Wilmer, Minnesota. So, just up the way Oh, here. yeah, yeah. Not her. Um, that another situation, uh, a woman in Mississippi who had large property was a prominent citizen. They thought that was Belle. They couldn't prove it was or wasn't. There was a woman who murdered a Norwegian man in in Los Angeles for his money. Uh, she was on trial uh, for that murder and she died while she was or she was going to go uh, to trial for that murder. She died while waiting trial. So it could be proven whether or not that was Belle. Oh, well, um, that, but that's her M.O. Yeah, but like she was caught, you know, and it was one time, you know, she was, it just, eh. you know, I don't know. It, yeah. it seems like she was too smart uh, in 2007. The body that was in the fire was exhumed for DNA testing. So after after the fire, the body of, you know, the body of quote unquote Belle and the three kids were buried next to her first husband, Mads. But didn't they get, did they even try to get the poor woman's head out of the pond? God. Because it was a deathbed confession. I don't think they got like the details of like what oh, pond, where is it, you right. know. So it was like a there's year still later. a fucking head in a pond. Near that in farm. near Laporte, Indiana. Yeah. Oh. If you gross. have a pond on your right. property near Laporte, Indiana. <laughs> oh well, that poor woman. So she was not even. And they never identified who that was. Never identified oh, who that woman was. God. But yeah, the body that was in the fire was exhumed for DNA testing. They got like permission from you know this I don't know Bell's sisters like grandkids or whatever. To get to exhume the body, but there wasn't enough DNA to compare. They they got DNA from the body, but there wasn't enough DNA to compare it to. So they had like a letter, a sealed letter from Bell, and they were like, oh, maybe we can get some DNA from the envelope flap. They weren't able to. So no way to determine whether or not that was Bell. Yeah, but, that's not, it wasn't her. Yeah, but like, it's like, no. And I don't know, it's hard for me to believe that Ray Lampier would, would on his deathbed, admit to like helping dispose of bodies and helping set this fire which killed three children yeah but not just admit to killing bell yeah so it just it seems like if he was going to admit to it that would be his chance he didn't he clearly didn't have a problem admitting to other crimes he had committed yeah so so no she for sure set that up yeah and got away and just i mean who knows she's incredibly smart like, she could have gone to Canada or Mexico, and yeah. back then, they had no way of tracing that. Absolutely. And, who you know, if she was, if she was smart, she could keep, she could travel all around and do things in different cities, and, and you know, she was perfecting her craft. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, who knows where she, where she ended she up. She had going. a diverse skill set. 
mm-hmm. to say the least. Right. <laughs> she had a pretty good resume built yeah, up. Yeah, and she, yeah. I mean, she was an attractive woman. People were attracted to her, so she did not have a problem. And she was charming and manipulative. Yep. Yeah. She so. could have easily, like, I mean, who knows? She could have gone to fucking Norway. Yeah. Like, like who? who's to say? That's probably what she did. She probably yeah. got in a boat and went to a different country. Yeah. Because there's just where no one had heard of what she had done. Absolutely. You're or right. what she looked like. Yeah. Yeah. She had all the money. I mean, she had so much money. She could she have done money. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I didn't remember is... if they ever caught her or not. That's the worst part. Yeah. No, they did not catch her. You know, she she could have been was one of the many people that was arrested or. Uh, but she likely wasn't. But she likely wasn't. Yeah, she was too smart. Yeah. She was too smart to get caught. Too smart to stick around in the U.S. Oh, man. Right? Isn't that insane? I just, the thing with the pigs always creeps me out. I just. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that is the story of, she got, you know, Hell's Bells is what uh, the newspapers called her. Hell's Bells Gunness, which uh, I thought was pretty fitting name yeah a doodle oh my god um but thank you guys for listening to that harrowing story that's amazing yeah. thank you for sharing yeah. yeah i didn't know that number one the body count was that high yes and i did not remember that they never caught her yeah never caught her wow that just that just goes to show you you know don't trust norwegian yeah. women <laughs> Don't fucking trust us. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to like us, follow us, tell all your friends about us. You can find us on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. Uh, make sure, you know, write us an email if you're feeling so inclined. We love to get emails. Let us know what's up in your life. You can email us at thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. And as always... Tell your folks we says hi!